everyone, welcome to Pick That One Out, a weekly podcast trying to pick out the fun left in football. Referee blows the whistle, we kick off episode 7. My name is Jack Murphy, with me, assistant manager Will Varney. Will, how are we doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Jack, I feel like in that intro with the hello, you went really cockney. Did, did, when you I, said it, did, it did, did you cock it? It can happen. It, you're when like, Arsenal, when Arsenal win, I go no. back to the London roots. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very well, Jack. Um, to everyone listening, uh, thank you once again. Episode 7. Um, uh, I enjoyed episode 6 last week and we obviously we trialled out a new dinner party or mm. the evening club. Um, but thankfully, Monday returns and we're back to sort of... It's an early afternoon, so I feel like I can play off breakfast quite well. But uh, no, we've got a lot of football to talk about, don't we, in this episode, Jack? A lot to talk about. Yeah, the football just keeps on coming. As you say, we had a slight deviation off of Breakfast Club last week. But you, um, did. if I remember right, you promised big things to the people last week. I'm just wondering if you can, you're able to live up to that this week. Should we get going, get cracking well, on with it? Let's get into it. Let's get into episode seven, The Breakfast Club. And um, I did promise last week um, we would sort of return to the roots of a breakfast that I made for somebody at TalkSport. And I have delivered this week. Um, This is the story of me making Alan Brazil a bacon roll. Now, if you you recall episode one, I dropped in the story of Big Sam Mm. and his sausage sarnie. Well, it it was the same day, so you can imagine the pressure of having to deliver for Big Sam and Big Al. Um, And on that day, I was tasked um, getting Big Al a bacon roll with brown sauce, which I rated from him. Like I've said it with Big Sam in episode one, the brown sauce vibe, I thought it worked really well. So this week I have gone... But this is the thing. I wasn't really fussed with the roll, Jack. I'm not going to lie. And I'm a yeah. big fan of a seeded loaf. Wow. I don't know if you are. That's recently, the London knife really, for you. I don't know what it is, but I've been really getting into seeded loaf recently. So this week we do have a bacon sandwich um, on a seeded loaf. There is brown sauce in it okay, as well. So he, has, he has gone sam. I'm going to analyse this. He has gone sandwich over roll. Yeah, seeded bread as as mentioned, bacon. It's what we smoked talking? Ba- it's okay. smoked bacon, Jack. It's yeah. smoked uh, what, bacon. What's the sauce situation? Well, look for how I made it. I feel like this is the only way you got. You got to sauce up both sides of the bread. You can't just do one. You know, don't be scrimping. Um, there's no rationing book here. Hey, in my hey eyes. you know, Talksport's paying for it. You know, and so I've 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 sourced both sides. Alan really enjoyed the role when I presented it to him. He was sat down on the sofa next to Big Sam when Big Sam was tucking into the sausage sarnie. Big Al's tucking into mm. the bacon roll. He really enjoyed it. It was all foiled up. I'd done it as well because, look, once again, like I said with the Big Sam story, I didn't realise you could just ask for it. I'd actually made it. Yeah. Um, but once again, a happy customer, and hopefully this will make me a happy man in this podcast. But, no, um, I think this could be this could be top tier, Jack. I believe today we could we could reach the top heights. It would be it would be disappointing if not. You, you've mentioned the sauce on the both sides. Yes. Um, are we are we think is it ketchup? I'm I'm guessing. What, what what is this? You know that I've got a fear of ketchup, Jack. And oh, of course. Bring, are you what, what are you doing? Are you brown a brown sourcing? Of course, you've got to brown source it. I'm a brown sourcer. I'm a barbecue man. And I stick by those rules. None of this mayo nonsense, and especially none of this ketchup stuff going down. Look, that that fear dates back 
you know, in short, a birthday party. It was one of those classics. You go to Frankie and Benny's, you know, after um, after you've been bowling. Mm. And I remember um, I got an ice cream. Um, sorry, no, I went to KFC. I went to KFC. And you know like okay. how, how you go to Mackey's and they usually have like the McFlurries and it's like in that tub and you can't actually see into the ice cream. Yeah. It's in that tub. Well, it's dessert. Everybody's chilled out after the bowling. I think we're about nine or something. And uh, I go to the toilet, and that was the mistake. That was my error. And I didn't know this would shape my future for the following years to come. But Joe Nichols, on that fateful day, on his birthday, I seem to recall as well, so I don't know why he was so excited, um, he decides to put ketchup in my ice cream without me knowing. And it horrifies me to this day, Jack. I came back, took a big old spoonful. What followed was a picture I don't really want to paint for listeners. (laughs) All the viewers on YouTube, but let's just say I wasn't very well, mm. and from that point on, um, I could never touch ketchup ever again. It's um, something I, it, it's been used against me as threats. Um, wow. Actually, I've been threatened with it um, at uni uh, if serious. I ever annoy anyone. But it is it's, it. It got to the point I couldn't even hold a bottle of it. So mm. no, um, that fear really did take over my life, and it still has. It's still got its its hands around my neck, unfortunately. I, I think brown sauce is a perfectly fine replacement. I'm sure we'll get on fine with uh, with that. I bacon think I'll sarnie. get through. I, I can't wait to tuck into this, Jack. I really can't. Yeah, well, I mean, we've. I mean, that's the most entertaining bit of discussion we're going to have today. I feel because we've got the prem roundup now. I mean, uh, do we have to? We need the watch time. So <laughs> I'm going to say that there's good convo coming up here. But I'm trying to think of highlights from the Premier League week, and I, I think we yeah. should just talk about our own teams instead. Just because okay. we—it's it's what we're going to be most uh, in depth about and, and uh, analytical about. So why don't we start with your boys? You know, a, a nice big fat nil-nil against Manchester United and potentially the most predictable uh, Premier League game of the season. Um, yep. I'm just going to read out a few results for you over the season: Please. Manchester United nil, Man City nil, Manchester United mm-hmm. nil, Chelsea nil, Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil, Chelsea nil, Tottenham nil, Arsenal nil, Manchester United nil. Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. The big six snorefest this season. Uh, Manchester United versus big six this season. They've lost 6-1, they've lost 1-0, and there's been five nil-nil draws. Are they scared to lose these games, do you think, Will? Um, so, I mean, first off, we men- I remember mentioning this in episode one, didn't we? We spoke about these big games being hyped up and unfortunately not cutting it. And do you know what I noticed? I felt like this week... I didn't actually hear much hype about Chelsea United and maybe that's because people expected it to be a nil-niller after how the season's panned out. Um, Were we shocked? No, we weren't. Um, I think especially in that final half an hour, um, both teams, I think you're right, looked almost scared to go for the win in case it affects them later down the line. I think it's pretty it's pretty clear to most people now that City are running away with the title. So it's all about making up those points now for the top four positions. And it was like both just really were too scared to make any errors whatsoever. Um, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, look, there were entertaining moments. There's been worse nil-nils, trust me. There's been worse mm. games. But for that, there were opportunities, even if they were sort of half chances. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a thriller, was it, Jack? It's not one you would really want to um, stick on the box in about five years' time to reminisce. Um, the only thing I can think of to talk about that happened in the game was well, the, uh, the, this the penalty shout. Um, yeah. Ball clearly bounces off Callum Hudson-Odoi's hand. Uh, VAR 
is, is recommending to go over to the screen, does go over. A lot of outside influence claims Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that's, that's changed the uh, referee's decision to, to turn it over from what VR is thinking. No pen. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, maybe I'm just biased, but at the time I didn't even, I, I still don't even think it's a pen. Now, I understand that people are saying with the current rules, whether they don't agree with them or not, it should be a penalty in the eyes of the law with the handball law. But for me, I think it's so, so. And I also think that Greenwood pushes Hudson Odoi's hand up towards the ball. And when you see it, I, I, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm not really buying it. And I mean, I think it's quite rich, you know, from all these United fans and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Harry Maguire to be going, you know, oh, it's a clear penalty, you know, we're being wronged. I think it was Harry Maguire a few weeks ago, wasn't he? He was yeah. saying, you know, we're, we're not on the right it's end a conspiracy. of conspiracy. It's a conspiracy, oh, clearly. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you've been so hard done by, haven't you, all this season so far with the, amount, the sheer amount of penalties you've had. And for some of them have been very controversial. So look, it evens out, doesn't it? You win some, you lose some. Yeah. That's how it goes. I mean, that, that's the famous thing, isn't it? It supposedly all balances out the luck of uh, VAR. But I do I do think it... I think for me, it's a... I think it is a pen. Just because I, I think Hudson-Odoi, the arms are in an unnatural position. It's, it's hand-to-ball more than ball-to-hand for me. Clearly mm. hits the hand first. I think that's enough for me. But uh, United didn't deserve the win, so I'm not, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> well, so, 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 but, so let's move. So let me move it on to your team then, because okay. I saw I saw yesterday Gary Lineker on Twitter. Yeah, he was saying, um, you know, that is it was he was almost saying it was the same as the Indeedy penalty. Right for, for um, and I completely disagree. That's, it's not the same. It's not the same I thing because it's exactly because one's a, a a shot that's been blocked by the hand, and the other's just yeah. a ball bouncing around. Well, and Didi was basically waving. Yeah, and Didi, Didi saved it. And Didi basically, and Didi basically yeah. saved it. So yeah, I was thinking, yeah. oh come on! But I mean, and and for me, that was that was clear. And what was crazy about that for me, if we're still talking about refereeing, but now in the uh, in the Leicester game with you, yeah, yeah. he. As I'm trying to recall, that penalty decision was so clear, but he was told to go over to the yeah. monitor. The one before it, where it was deemed outside of the box, he wasn't told to go yeah. to the monitor. I, and I don't, I don't understand that. That was, yeah, I don't it was know. something it we were seemed... talking about in work yesterday. Where's the consistency? With yeah, there's no, there is none. All? We say it every week. There's absolutely zero consistency in these decisions from Stockley Park. Uh, we'll talk more about Leicester Arsenal. We'll talk more about the referees as well uh, later on in this roundup. Um, back to Chelsea, big win against Atletico uh, yeah. in, in midweek in the Champions League as well. Um, early thoughts on Tuchel? Then we've had a few weeks now. I mean, the, the games yeah. seem to feel quite similar, but um, I mean, the results are starting to come in. I think there's, I think there's definitely, there's definitely positives to take aside from the points he's gained. I think. Look, I'm not a big fan of a back three. I've never really liked it. But, I mean, you see with, say, Antonio Conte when he was with us, we were picking up results and I absolutely loved it. We win a title. I think um, there's definitely positives to take. I think he's he's a definite man manager where he know, he's it's very clear what he wants and he gets it across to his players. I think what will be interesting will be this sort of final push for top four. I think the Atletico game was huge going, you know, um, off to Bucharest and getting a one nil result. It was a fantastic goal, don't get me wrong, from Olivier Giroud. That was it was a phenomenal finish. At the same time I thought Atletico were quite poor. 
I think they, you know, they started the game and it was like, I was thinking, oh, goodness me, they look up for it now. This this could be trouble. But they never really threatened uh, Mendy in goal. And, you know, I'm watching it, I'm watching it here in my room thinking, you know, they don't look that great for a team top of La Liga. And you see the last, I think the past couple of games they've been struggling anyway. I think the big one is the second leg in a few weeks' time. Because the tie's not done. No. They could easily come to And if they come to Stamford Bridge and really turn up with the likes of, say, Luis Suarez, Hal Felix, you know, then there's a real game on our hands. But I think for a performance, it was a real... It was a good sign for me because we'd, we'd won against teams who hadn't been playing great. understand, like I just said, Atletico weren't playing as the, at their top best. But still, the quality mm. they have on their team, to come away with a result, I think it's brilliant. It's, it looks positive for the second leg for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there are positives from Chelsea. Finally, some positives for Arsenal as well. We could, it's rare that we have a pod where we're both smiling, both happy. Um, I, I think this is the first time, isn't it? It's got to be. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if not. I mean, Chelsea have been carrying in, in terms of uh, the, the better results of the last few weeks. But um, I mean, I, I saw the lineup. Uh, we were recording this on the Monday, so I saw the lineup yesterday uh, yeah. morning. I was just wondering if it was worth watching. You know, no Saka, no party, no Bamiyang rested after mm. after the uh, the Europa League, um, which we just scraped through against Benfica, thankfully. I was fearing the worst. And then you just see out of nowhere some absolutely amazing performances from the likes of Pepe and Willian, of uh, all people that have had their criticism, not, uh, not, <laughs> not least from myself uh, in the past uh, few mm. weeks. Well, trust me, I've criticised Willian for about 10 years. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm but not. they 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 got the job done, and Pepe especially. It has to be the best performance I think I've seen from him in an Arsenal shirt since since mm-hmm. arriving. Um, Cedric really helped him on that right hand side as well. I feel like Bayern. I saw this on Twitter quite a lot, and I agreed with it that he makes too many indecisive runs, and it kind of just means the defender can just. Have stay Cedric with- and Pepe played together much? Um, not really. Whenever Cedric's come in and Pepe's played, Cedric's been a, been like a reserve left back for us out of position. Okay. So we haven't seen it very often, but Cedric did a great job of just pulling the defender out. It was Luke Thomas who Pepe had on toast the entire yeah. first half. Mm. Um, got brought off at half time. He was he just couldn't handle him, and then. Uh, second half, we were able to to confirm it. I mean, we saw Willian and David Luiz linking up. It was like a nice little Chelsea reunion. We don't not used to uh, seeing them uh, on the on the right side. But I, I posted a tweet following the game that that both teams played full strength teams on on Thursday night. One rotated in the league, um, and the one that didn't had had real big injury problems in the game. Yeah. Vardy was uneasy. Evans had to come off. Harvey Barnes, unfortunately, has uh, suffered an injury that will see him out for the next six weeks, I think. Or, or At least that. that is. He's having a knee up, yeah. So do you think um, it was actually quite clever from Arteta to, to rest as many players as he did? Uh, risky, of course, but Europa League is the real uh, final target for Arsenal now left in this season. You're right. It is the final target. I think there's always that risk, though, isn't it? Because if it had backfired, I mean, you went 1-0 down within a few minutes um, yesterday. And, you know, if Leicester had grabbed another one, for example, then all of a sudden, you know, that team selection may have completely backfired on Arteta and, and he would have had his critics for it. I think I think the big thing to take away from this game now is not only, you know, you were resting in sort of in-form once again, Aubameyang, and you were able to, like you say, get Nicolas Pe- uh, Pepe sort of playing a, reason- a reasonably good performance. 
now you would hope he'd sort of kick on and build from that. And like you say, Europa League, after Thursday, I mean, you must have been sweating on Thursday with that Benfica game and Saka bails you out. Mm. Um, I mean, for me personally, I look at Leicester now. I thought the I think the interesting thing is now about Leicester after that game. You've just mentioned there, Harvey Barnes out for at least six weeks. That's an absolute killer, not just for Leicester, but for, also you've got to feel for him personally because he was making a real push yeah. for that Euro for the Euros, I think he would have definitely been in Southgate's next squad for the internationals. Um, You look at Johnny Evans getting an injury yesterday. They're already without James Madison, I think, for the next Mm -hmm. month. James Justin's out for the rest of the season. Wesley Fofana's out. They don't know when, I don't think they'd know when he's back. Mm -hmm. You look at all these sort of injuries, these are key players as well. Mm. They can't be just, I'm going to make a call now. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a big call. Leicester aren't getting top four. That's it done. They're not. They're, they're, we saw it last season with how they weren't able to handle the pressure. I don't think they're going to be able to handle it without these big losses of players. Because I do. I do. I look at that team and think there is goals in that team now. No, I think they. Um, imagine if Jamie Vardy doesn't show up now for the next few games, or he get he gets injured. Where hmm. are the goals? Yeah. Because Kalechi Iheanacho is not going to provide them. You know, I I don't see where they come from. You know, when you're relying on say you know Yuri Tielemans and. And Jamie Vardy for the goals now. It's I don't see it. I think I think they could be in real big trouble. I think they could slip out of top four. I think it's not a bad shout to be honest. I think everything you've you've said there's a real good point. I think yesterday on its own, without Madison in in the centre, there was a real lack of creativity to to get through Arsenal. Yeah. Apart from that that first chance, Leicester didn't really create much. Um, so now without him, without Barnes, and a bit of worry in the defence now with no Fofana or Evans, as you say. They, yeah. they could be in trouble, especially coming up against some some tough teams uh, in the not too distant future. So we'll have mm. to see uh, whether that prediction comes to fruition. I'm sure it uh, probably as, will. Yeah. I'm sure as everything in this uh, this podcast, uh, Leicester will go and win five nil in the next three games. And <laughs> They'll go win their next five now, and I'll title you know, It'll be it'll be episode twelve, yeah. and I'll be on going. So that prediction, episode seven, let's not talk about it. Yeah, uh, we'll wait and see on that one, Jack. We'll wait yeah. and see. Uh, quick like little one-sentence bits of the other um, teams okay. towards the, the top of the table. City beat West Ham 2-1, quite a decent game. I thought yeah. even though um, they didn't win, West Ham really troubled City at times. And even in defeat, certainly, as we mentioned last week, look up for a, for a top four race. Yeah, they do, don't they? It's concerning, isn't it? Oh, well, it concerns me because they genuinely showed against City at the Etihad as well that they can play. And you know, Mikel Antonio getting that goal back, and then, but obviously, City's quality comes through. That I mean, twenty wins on the bounce—that's something special. Especially considering at the start of the season, this was a team where we were going. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it. They, you know, they scraped that. They got that draw against West Brom, against Slavon Bilic's West Brom, and everyone's thinking <laughs> they're not up for it this season. Look at them now. It's been an incredible run, and it just looks continual. I don't know who beats them personally, um, but you know, on the other hand, uh, West Ham completely in the fight for top four. I think if they keep the players fit, that's what it's going to be about. If they keep the players fit, but. Yeah, David Moyes and uh, Stuart Pearce coming down. What a job they've done there. From a team, at the start of the season, everyone, I think, was going relegation scrap yeah. probably for them. I think even the fans will have uh, yeah. admitted they would have seen it. What a rise, what a performance they've put in um, yeah. this season. I mean, even from that first game, uh, lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle. And from there, 
you're from a Newcastle that everyone was also putting in that relegation fight. Yeah. So so and, still, soon, and they are in it. Yeah. So as soon as soon as that result happened, everyone thought, yeah, knew it. These lads aren't up for it, not at all. There's bad morale everywhere. And then they've just gone from strength to strength throughout the season. Fair play to David Moyes for for silencing the critics, uh, me included. I, I thought they'd definitely be down there. I thought I they were. Yeah, I, think I didn't it, yeah. see they'd be anywhere near what they're doing at the minute. So fair play to them. Um, big win for Spurs and Liverpool as well. We have to say, finally, we're positive about Liverpool on the podcast. We can we can say something decent about them. How long? I'm not sure. The performance was mm. made more convincing in the second half, but they did have to work for it last night. Um, I tell you what, um, I thought Aaron Ramsdale, um, yeah. the amount, of, the sheer amount of saves he made, and you know he's somebody who's coming. I've, I've criticised him. I, I've felt myself criticising him before. I think, and a lot of people have, considering you know they signed him for eighteen million, was yeah. it, from Bournemouth? And you're thinking that's big money for him. You know, Bournemouth team that got relegated as well, made numerous errors. Errors, and I don't trust goalkeepers in short sleeves, Jack. I don't mm. trust keepers in short sleeve shirts. And um, but yesterday against Liverpool, just patting them, patting them aside left, right, and centre. He looked really solid. And do you know? Do you know what that that Curtis Jones goal? I'll quickly say was a typical example for me of like proper like schoolboy football, Sunday league, when everybody's thought everyone thinks the ball's gone out. Play yeah. to the whistle. <laughs> I, I remember being nine years old and being told play to the whistle. I don't understand why about. Four Sheffield United players have just stopped yeah. because I I, I I don't know who the player was, but if he doesn't stop, he has an opportunity to either close down Curtis Jones or possibly get you know get a toe on the ball or at least be alert. And then all of a sudden he's got a tap in. It's it was it was poor, but I think that's been unfortunately Sheffield United season and yeah the the drops calling. Yeah, I call that type of defending the Arsenal situation because I feel like I see it with us every week where even in this modern, um, the VAR era, where the yeah. flag we know goes up late afterwards, every time the ball gets played through and our defence think they've played the right line, they will stop dead where they are and just go, I don't, and just throw the I hand up. And they will just I wait and see it. what happens. And every, this is the thing, you, yeah, I, hate I was going to so say, you can't, do it, you can't do it now, especially with VAR. The linesman do, hardly ever flags anymore. And it just keeps on running. So yeah. why why even stop? Take that chance. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, so good two 0 win for Liverpool there against Sheffield United, pushing them back towards that uh, top four race. Uh, speaking of the top four race, Spurs will hope that they're still in it. They dismantled an awful Burnley team yesterday, four <laughs> nil. Um, really, really poor from from Sean Dyche's team. But Gareth Bale back on it. The curse of the Peak That One Out podcast oh. returns. Every time we write someone off, we write a team off, they're right what? back at it the next couple of weeks. Um, well, he's on, gra- he's on great form, this. Will. He's on great form. Mm, right. Well, let's let's bring let's let's stop this now. I'm not. I've seen it all yesterday. Everybody going Bale back. Mm, hold on. He scores two against, like you've just described, a poor Burnley team. What was that performance? They go down. They went one 0 down within about a minute and a half, two yeah, minutes, right. weren't they? It was poor. And I mean, look, everyone's saying Bale back. Yeah, he might have got what a couple of goals um, in their Europa League tie as well against um, Wolfsburger. And then, and then last week he comes on and puts a corner in, and he gets an assist, and it's like he's changed the game. Oh come on! I wouldn't say he's back. You got to at least give him a couple of weeks because he could easily next game, and they and he's non-existent on the pitch. 
So eight, I'm, eight I'm goal, not making eight goal contributions I'm, in four games for, for Gareth making, Bale. I'm not saying he's back. And I heard the commentary yesterday. They were like, North London is his turf, and he's reigning supreme <laughs> once again. No, he's hold on. He scored two against Burnley. Let's all just calm down, please. Now, I say let's wait. A, let's just wait a couple of weeks and see if he continues. If he continues the consistency, then okay, that's quite impressive. If not, I'm just going to be sat in, sitting here like doing that Kylian Mbappe celebration. You know, the crossed arm. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be me. I would say nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, again, it's another wait and see. Someone who I think might have wrote off Gareth Bale pre-game was Roy Keane. Um, yeah. We saw this fly over social media. Sky executives all hugging in the back, I'm sure. As Roy Keane and Jamie Redknapp uh, went at it. I mean, Roy Keane head head, yeah. was on his usual stuff, his usual nonsense. He just trying to, to get a bait off anyone. And this time, uh, Jamie Redknapp bit. He bit and Jamie he bit chomped. hard. He chomped at the bit. Um, I I don't know about you. I'm on Team Redknapp here. I am as well. Yeah, I, I think I think Roy Keane is really starting to annoy me with his punditry. I meant I mentioned this episode one in my in my uh, remember, football yeah. uh, the things I think my was. football pet peeves. Yeah of, yeah, of poor punditry. Everything Roy Keane says has no context to it anymore. He just, it's literally. Old man rambling in the pub while the game's on. That's literally what it is now. There's no basis for anything. He said um, these days, if you're not playing for your country, you're a bad player. What, yeah. what a ridiculous statement that is uh, yeah. on its own. 100%. And and then to go on further, he said it, it's it's the constant going back on himself. So like he'll say, oh the, yeah, oh, Kane, yeah, Kane, Kane and Son are the, Kane and Son are the only good Tottenham uh, players. They're the only ones that were getting any other top six team. Redknapp goes, well, what about Reguilón? He's, he's as good as any other, any left-back in the league on his day. Is that why Real Madrid let him go? Like, that's a good point on its own as well, which it isn't. And Jamie goes, well, hang on. So you're saying he's not a good player? He goes, no, I think he's a good player. Oh, well, there you go. Cheers. Thanks for that then, Roy. Yeah. It, was, it, was, no. it really annoyed me throughout the entire thing. Well done to Jamie for standing up to Roy. No one else does. Well, and this is the thing. Do you see it? Do you, do you, how rare is it to see somebody... St- stand up to Roy Keane. I feel like the only person who ever, who's ever done it or where Sky have clipped it where it's like heated debate, it's um, it's uh, Jamie Carragher and Roy. Yeah. And I feel like they had a bit of a, a one-two. But it, uh, you could see Jamie Redknapp was actually seething. Mm. He was so... And, but you know what? That's what makes it entertaining because it's somebody disagreeing with Roy Keane rather yeah. than just letting him speak unchallenged. Get, you know... Ch- Call him out on it, and that's what Jamie. That's what Jamie did. You know, Jamie saying Sergio Regulon, Spurs. You're saying Spurs have an average team. They signed him from Real Madrid, and he's going. And like you just said, well, hold on. If Real Madrid didn't want him, then he can't be that good a player. And Jamie's going. So you're saying he's not a good player? And he's like, uh, well, he's a good player. And Jamie's going. Well, well, there we go. And then you've got sort of Dave Jones's presenter being like, let's all calm it down a bit. But you could tell you didn't want it to calm down because you wanted Jamie to keep coming back. Get, yeah. You know, really fight. He was really fired up. That's what makes it such an entertaining clip. And uh, yeah, no, I, I don't get me wrong. I find some of Roy Keane's punditry entertaining. And I think Sky and you know Sky must have said to Roy yesterday. Oh, of course. View, viewing figures are dipping, Roy. Can you say something <laughs> a bit controversial or do something that's going to really rile someone up? And Jamie Redknapp went to Tesco Express and bought himself a chomp from the sweet aisle because he was proper at it. But no, very entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, he wasn't done there actually, Roy Keane. I think later on in the night he said 
if Liverpool couldn't deal with Sheffield United, then they should all retire. <laughs> About three weeks after Man United lost to them at home. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, big seal of approval from the uh, Pick That One Up podcast for Jamie Redknapp. I hope he does yeah. it in the future in the studio with him <laughs> instead, yeah, of, yeah. instead of across the, the city. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to see whether he can, he can ro- keep this roller form going. Um, bad form, on the other hand, uh, towards Graham Potter's Brighton, which is the last yeah. uh, piece that we're going to cover in the, in the Prem roundup. Brighton lost 1-0 to West Brom. Are Brighton the biggest point dodgers in Premier League history? They do everything. They can't stick the ball in the back of the net, Will, and it's infuriating to watch as a Graham Potter stan. I think it was a couple of weeks ago I said to you, we were talking, um, I, I think it was after we recorded the pod, we were talking about West Brom getting points. Yeah. And I said, West Brom, they could beat Brighton. And you went, Potter's army, no chance. And you know what? It wasn't even about that. I feel like, the, you know, we saw against Palace, you know, pa- Palace were just non-existent and they end up winning the game. Brighton can't put the ball in the back of the net. It was one of those like classic FIFA games where you're like you have to turn off your PS4 because you're raging. You know something like 25 shots and you know they still lose the game. Um, and then yeah, you know against uh, that West Brom side, uh, two missed penalties. You know it's it was so disappointing. It was poor. Um, and and this is the thing. This is why a lot of people keep giving and you want you keep giving Brighton praise. But they're in a proper relegation they spot are. now. They are. They're in. They're in trouble. Yeah, and the and now I finally realised that I'm giving praise to Graham Potter, not Brighton, <laughs> um, because this this team just is letting him down week after week after week. The state of the Palace game as well when they lost two one. How to how to concede two goals from three shots. One thing I will say that, that is probably something on Potter is that when they do dominate games, there's definitely lapses of concentration at the back when they are counted on. Um, but there's nothing you can do when you get two penalties in a game, miss them both, get a tap in, misses it. What can Potter do there apart from sub himself on and try and finish yep. him himself? No, that's a good point. That's a fair point. And, I mean, and, that, and that's like speaking, do they have the quality? Do they have the quality? Because I think they've got some good players. That's what I thought. I mean, like, Trossard's very good on the ball. Um, Neil Mopé was fantastic at Brentford. He's had decent spells at Brighton as well, but he's on such horrendous form right now. Can't seem yep. to finish his dinner at all. Um, I think he's the 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 Patrick Bamford of this season, which is the uh, the man that uh, <laughs> that gets the most XG and then gets barely any goals from it. That's that's yep. his. He's taking the reins off Patty B this uh, this season. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what more Potter can do I think he deserves better than the team um, they just have to make sure that the morale stays high maybe fiddle around with the front three um, I, I mean I, I was saying last week maybe give Welbeck a shot up front he's come on he's missed a penalty as well doesn't help yeah. himself well this is the thing now it's a proper relegation scrap this is yeah. where it's going to start getting really entertaining you know you've got the likes of because personally for me I think Sheffield United and West Brom are done yeah I think they're down and then obviously you've got that one spot, that mm. fateful spot for you know Fulham, Newcastle, Brighton, um, could Burnley be dragged into yeah. it? I think Southampton maybe could be dragged in as well. And and yes. even uh, um, a bigger rate, it would have to be a massive crumble. Palace with with their uh, current it would have performances. Have to be a huge crumble. But again, yeah. like you said, without Wilfred Zaha, 
awful nice. team. Awful that. team without mm. Zaha. Um, Brighton also weren't helped. Another thing outside of their uh, out of their control. Lee Mason putting on an oh, absolute Lee. disaster class. He lost the game in that moment with the free kick. So uh, I think it was Lewis Dunk that took it. Was it? It that was Lewis Dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Tried to take it quick. Uh, referee blows the whistle. Go. Lewis Dunk takes it quick, and then before it hits the back of the net, Lee Mason. Oh, no, he's taking it quick. Why he is he like taking he it quick? And then like he blew he the whistle cry. again before it goes in, meaning that eventually uh, it wasn't allowed. It's an absolute joke. Um, if you're not ready, Lee, don't blow the whistle, right? Just, yeah. just leave it. Just leave it out. He's bl- he's blown the whistle, and immediately they've taken it. And he's like, well, "Hang on, hang on, I wasn't ready." Well, why have you blown your whistle then? Why have you? Do blown you know your what whistle? was painful? I watched it at work, and I had no audio, so I'm just oh. watching on the screen. I haven't a clue no. what is going on. I was having to text my group chat going, is, is anyone, are you guys watching this? What's actually happening? Why why is there this whole sort of, you know, faff going on on the pitch? What, what is actually... And to see, you know, apparently, you know, Lewis Dunk after the game was seething, like you can expect. You know, he's saying, you know, Lee Mason... Lee Mason said, I could take the free kick. I take it quickly. All of a sudden, he's blowing the whistle saying, no, keeper's not ready. Well, hold on. You've denied a perfectly good goal. And I think the anger from Lewis Dunk was, Lee Mason, why do I have to come out after a game and I have to say, well, yeah. well, Lee Mason should be saying, why did he make that decision? Why did VAR make that decision? Why are we not hearing from the officials? I've always, like in rugby, I've always wanted to have referees mic'd up. Yeah. Just to understand just to understand what's actually going on. It not only it helps the viewers and the people in the stadiums, but the players and it's it just it makes the whole atmosphere easier to grasp on how decisions are made. I don't understand still why they just don't do it because it mm. makes it so much easier for everybody. The and and the 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 audacious thing as well in the last couple of weeks they've been talking about they want the players to clap the refs on for solidarity okay. for the refs and I mean let's face it no no referee dis, no matter how bad the performance deserves some of the abuse that they do receive oh, no, online. 100%, no. But this is ridiculous now. They there needs to be action in terms of the quality of refereeing from and the you know top. What? And this is from the from the We've said about top. Lee Mason. We've said about Lee Mason, right? Now Lee Mason referees can make mistakes. The problem is VAR should not be making mistakes. And I know this is a referee mistake rather than a VAR mistake. Mm. But I mean, you've then got, you know, questions have been raised about Lee Mason over the last couple of weeks. You know, do you just say to him, just you know, sit out a week or so, you know, take take a rest, you know, because this you're completely right. Referees do not deserve the amount of abuse they get, whether it's on social media, on the pitch, but at the same time, you if you're making mistakes constantly, and he has been in the last few weeks, just let him sit out for a week and just you know relax, get his head. And then I mean, like you saw, he was supposed to be fourth official for the Liverpool yeah. game, and it pulls out with injury. What injury? From walking, Injury from what? Walk into the monitor. How's he got injured? Like pulled a hammy? Yeah. Come on. No, I'm sorry, but no, and and that's the problem. Brighton will feel incredibly aggrieved, but at the same time, you know, Big Sam's going to be you know licking his lips as that's yeah. a big three points for them. Yeah, big big win for for Big Sam, getting them clawing them, trying to claw them back into any uh, sort of survival race. What a survival! Uh, Why? outcome it would be if if Big Sam was able to keep his 100%. record up and kept West Brom up. Um justice for Brighton though. They if they go down I think I think there would be a decent case 
for Brighton being the best team to go down, at least in recent Premier League history for me. Mm-hmm. Possibly. We'll Possibly. see. That, that could be um, a subject yeah. in its own in the future. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll mm-hmm. see closer to the end of the season. Um, finally, before the uh, we get to predictions, I'm, I've been looking forward to this one for the last couple of days since we've, since we've mentioned it. Uh, okay. A goal that's been doing the rounds on Twitter. Yes. Eli Sam for Notts County scoring one of the most ridiculous goals that you'll ever see. It's so ridiculous I can hardly explain it. Ball comes uh. into the middle from the left. Uh, and Sam just nonchalantly sort of spins his back to it, throws the heel at it. It's like it's 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 half back heel, half scorpion because the heel doesn't have too much lift on it, and the back heel just is enough to loop it over the keeper. I I just don't know what to say about it. And, and the fact that you always see these sorts of goals in like non-league and like nothing oh. leagues is it, it makes it so much more fun. But the team being county as well up the mat up the pies the pies you know. A team that you know we we've seen when we were in knots at uni. I love the pies, Neil Ardley's army, and to, you know when I go on Twitter and I saw that it was County. Oh, I look and this, that video's got like you know for a, a, a non-league club like Notts yeah. County, and they shouldn't be non-league. It shouldn't be know, non-league. That video's got what three million views. That could genuinely be a goal of the sort of year. The Puskas contender, con- yeah, contender, hundred percent. It is phenomenal. My favorite. Do you know what my favorite part of all is? Do you know what my favourite part of all is? Is um, in the in the replies of the tweet, everyone going, "Oh God, he's going to get a contract now, isn't he?" <laughs> everyone, just, <laughs> everyone just saying, "Oh, oh God, now he's going to get the conference. Now he's going to get get his starts and all." <laughs> he he could he could retire here and now on that yeah. goal. He can yeah he's set for life Brilliant. with that goal now. But yeah, and it wasn't the only outrageous goal this week. We had Giroud against Atletico. Ali yeah. also with another overhead kick in, in their Europa League game against Wolfsberger as well. So speaking of outrageous, yeah. top five outrageous finishes in Premier League history. Okay. Now, we've, we've, there are so many to pick from in world football. We've decided to 100%. narrow it down to the Prem. And even then, it was a tough ask. Now, we've assured each other... Uh, that we haven't got any samesies, no snaps no. In, in either no. of ours. We'll have to see uh, if that is true. So we, should so have, we should have 10 We should have 10 goals. outrageous goals here. And, and I, I've, uh, done, I've done... So I was just going to say, Jack, I've done mine from sort of ones that I've seen on TV that you know okay. I was alive for, that I can okay. actually remember. That's okay. what I've done mine for. I've, four out of five of those are the same for me. One of them okay. is, is a classic. Okay. Okay, so why don't you rattle your list off, Will, starting with big number five. Let's hear it. Yes, number five was Robin Van Persie versus Aston Villa. It was when he was uh, at United. It was that final game, I remember, where they were, you know, if they won, they win the title. And I can remember him in that sort of like picnic shirt, that picnic Mm -hmm. kit, like a tablecloth. And that, you know, the ball pinged over the top. I think it was Wayne Rooney. Over the top, over the head of Ron Vlaar. You know, he's running through treacle. Robin Van Persie just hits that left foot on the volley, sweet as a nut. And Brad, I think it was Brad Guzangol, had absolutely no chance. Wasn't getting anywhere near it. Just It was almost just watching it like, oh, that's in, that's a goal. What a finish that was. The connection was absolutely beautiful. That has to be my number five. Nice, nice, nice. Actually, do you, you know what? Let's just rattle off your five. We'll go for each five at a time. We'll rattle off your five in full, I'm saying. Okay. So here, let's uh, hit, hit number, us with number four. Hit us with number four. My number four is Deli Alley versus Crystal Palace mm. um, when he was at Spurs. 
that was an incredible finish. The technique, the control, absolute beauty. Um, I would then say my number three. Now, this doesn't get a, a lot of talk, I don't feel like. It's Kasami when he was at Fulham versus Palace. Oh, yeah, no, I do remember that. It was that the looping over the head volley it's at the edge of the box? Ball, ball up the line, hit with some pace, right? Hit with real pace. He hits it on the volley and just absolutely whacks it across the keeper into the net. It's a, another one against Palace, but that goal doesn't get enough credit. It's an absolute screamer. Yeah, how that pick. goes in. Good Brilliant. Pick. Number two is Gareth Bale. He's in it, and it's his goal against Stoke. I absolutely love his this goal. I absolutely love it. The ball in from Aaron Lennon. It's into the box, and on his left foot, it's it's such a controlled volley mm. that it almost just swerves in midair yeah. into the top into the top right hand corner. It is incredible. It's in that nice light blue strip. I remember. It's spiky hair, Bale, and he does the old heart as well. Brings that out for good luck. It was an um, but it was just the control on the finish on that volley. Brilliant goal for me. That Great has to be number two. Good pick. And let's hear it. Number one. Number one, and this one, I was there. I saw it live. With his Pappy own eyes. Cisse versus Chelsea. <laughs> and I remember we we're already one nil down, and he scored a quality goal in the first half. I think it was. And I'm thinking, and that was at the opposite end. Yeah. So I'm at the end that he's shooting towards in the second half. I remember it's added time. Dad's getting on at me. We need to go. Um, you know, we've got to get the train back. I think, oh, right. As I'm standing up, I look and Pappy Sisters on the other end side of the pitch. It just swazzes it. Absolutely slaps the ball, swazzes it. It curves midair, just loops over Petr Cech's left-hand shoulder. I can't be- I couldn't believe that I saw it. I don't think the whole stadium could believe what they'd seen. I think Didier Drogba was clapping it on the touchline. It was incredible. Newcastle fans went crazy. I gave it the old, yeah, it's time to go, Dad. And we walked out of the game after a 2-0 loss to uh, Newcastle. But Papi Cissé, what a goal it was. That is a unique, outrageous, historic goal. That's my number one. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly, perfectly good pick. That... That banana, the the banana curve it's, of the shot, as, as so it was bizarre, mentioned, yeah. it was so, as you say, unique. You you've never really seen one like that outside the box from such a weird angle, and for oh. it to curve over check. Check's got no chance. He's got absolutely well, was, it, no. He was chance. on the far side of the pitch to me, and I've seen it loop, and I thought oh, that's. Why has he even tried that? I thought that's going wide, and then you just see it top corner, and you just think, okay, yeah, that, that's game over. Yeah, and, uh, and I will say out of, out of all of them, I think that one is is the one that I would have had in my somewhere in my top okay. five. If, okay, if, let's hear yours then, Jack. If we weren't doing any matches, but uh, here's my top five. I've gone purely off the uh, audacity, how outrageous it is, and I'm purely basing it off the finish itself. Here we go then. Uh, number five, uh, Dimitri Payet's free kick against Crystal Palace. Um, there's like eight people in the wall, Will. There's eight people in the wall, so Hennessy can protect his side. Payet, the only thing Payet can do is, is hit that little postage stamp right in Hennessy's side. And that's exactly where he puts it. He, he It's it's inch-perfect technique. And, and the wall, being the size it is, makes it a fantastic vigil. Unbelievable goal. What a player. Number four. Robin Van Persie's flying volley against Charlton. <laughs> Um, this is better than the Villa one for me. Villa one better okay. better moment because I, well, in the, for the neutral as it as it wins Man United the league. 
But um, this is the better goal for me. Abue flies down the right-hand side. Ball uh, brought to the edge of the box. Van Persie races towards it and just clatters it with the most beautiful contact in mid-air. Flies into the top corner. But what makes this one so special is the height of the ball as Van Persie hits it. He almost contorts his body to get, the, to get his nice. foot up to get the contact on it. Rattles it perfectly, and that makes it as uh, as good as it is. That's number four for me. Number three, uh, Matty Taylor's volley against Everton back in the mid two thousands. A throwback one here. Uh, yeah, Pompey legend that. Matty Taylor. Okay. Couple reasons. Firstly, it's a volley from forty yards out. Loops in, no trouble whatsoever. No keeper slips like a lot of these halfway yeah, line goals. Yeah, that's very true. It, it just purely beats the keeper as it is as a volley. Secondly, he proved it wasn't a fluke because he did the exact same goal the year before <laughs> against Sunderland, but like five yards further forward. If it was any other player, I'd say it's not unique enough. But Matty Taylor is the only man that's done it twice. Proves he had something about that in his locker. Fair play to Matty. You get number three bronze spot in my list. Number yeah, two, here's the classic. Paolo Di Canio, scissor kick against uh, Wimbledon. Uh, the technique is just absolute perfection. The timing, again, simply perfect. For its time, one of the greatest Prem goals ever. An absolute classic of the genre. Ball flies over and he scissor kicks it. Again, timing, you couldn't time it any better. Outside of the boot, Wimbledon keeper doesn't have an absolute hope in hell of reaching it. And also, anyone that does that technique now, it's known as the Decanio. So he deserves yeah, some yeah, credit true. for it. Fair play to him. Number one, it's Olivier, Giroud's, one. It's Olivier Giroud's Scorpion King. Against Crystal Palace, the Scorpion King. Uh, the best of the small sample of uh, Scorpion Kicks, in my opinion. I'm doing this purely on the finish, but the build-up play was incredible too, uh, in, uh, to get up the pitch. Then Alexis under-hits across into the box. Giroud connects flush with a standing scorpion kick, with hits off the back of his heel, off the bar to make it even more uh, visually appealing and into the back yeah. of the net. That's my top five. That's my number one. That would, def Absolutely that would definitely outrageous. have been in mine. That, yeah. The only one would have definitely been in mine. That was an outrageous finish. And so, it, that deserved the Puskas Award when it won it. That was... Yeah, but I swear you can look through a compilation. You can look through just all of Giroud's yeah. goals, and at the end of his career, people would be like, "This guy has to be on the same level as like Ronaldinho or Messi <laughs> just for the pure goals that he scored that are just incredible to watch." Yeah, I think after his, his goal against Atletico, I saw an Arsenal Twitter account saying, uh, "How is my kid when he grows up going to see this goal, and how is he <laughs> going to believe me when I say he wasn't that good?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, he's good, but yeah, no, nothing yeah, on course, that level that yeah. his goals say. Two great lists, I would say. Two really, really yeah. good lists. Uh, ones I will make sure to keep an eye on the TikTok. I'll mention that at the end of the end of the pod, but expect oh, them on there uh, within the next week or two. I'd say definitely. Uh, predictions time before we close out through. the pod. Um, will I'm not sure if you were you were, had an eye on these predictions. Not a great week for you. 3-1 uh, to me makes it 14 apiece in the table. Oh, goodness me. I'm yeah. just making it interesting. Yeah, I'm just course. making it interesting. That's all I'm doing it for. Uh, not a great week for either of us, but I banged the 2-0 uh, Man City against Mönchengladbach, um, which got yeah, me the three points. Mm. Easy, easy stuff when you think about it. Three Premier League games for us this week in a, in a sort of full week of Premier League action. Yeah. First up, it's your boys once again, mm. this time... Uh, at Anfield, Liverpool, Chelsea. 
why don't you uh, start us off, mate? What do you think this one's going to do? Uh, yeah, interesting game to call this one. Um, you know what? I feel like Liverpool, after their victory, us drawing against... I think it's going to be a tight, cagey affair. Like we said with the big games, it's yeah. not. there is not going to be tons of goals in this one. I'm going to go one all. I'm going to okay. go for a draw. I think two is going to play it safe. Goal scorer, I can't bet... I, I can't put anything... Mm. On a goal scorer of Chelsea because I just don't have a clue. I don't know. I have no idea what this starting eleven will be. Who even is a, a a complete goal scorer for us? So I'm going to go Sadio Mane. He scored a double against us in the fixture early in the season when uh, Kepa had me with my head in my hands. So I'm going to go Sadio Mane. Score one all. Okay. Uh, so as obviously we've mentioned the Chelsea Man United game. Um, we were unlucky not to have that in the predictions. It was it was an easy three points there waiting oh, yeah, to be had. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to waste that chance this time. I'm, oh, I was t- tempted with the nil nil, but Liverpool's defence is a little bit. Mm. No, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. Nil nil. Okay. I'm play, playing with the odds. We've I I, I can't list off all those nil nils <laughs> from the top six games earlier and uh, and not. I, I'm a stats man. I have to play by the stats. I'm going nil nil. Okay. So obviously NA for the goal scorer for me. Okay. Uh, second game, the Point Dodgers versus the uh, the Crocked lot. It's Brighton mm. Leicester in what could be a really interesting game actually for both yeah. ends of the table. Um, I don't know if it's the uh, it's it's me laying my heart on the line for Potter earlier on, but I want to give I want to give Brighton a win here, and uh, and we we mentioned Leicester struggling earlier as yeah. well. Mm. If Brighton can create. As they have done, and we've I've say this every single week with Brighton. If they can create the chances, surely they go in at some point. I'm going two one Brighton. Okay. I'm wow. going two one Brighton, but my goal score is still going to be Jamie Vardy because it seems like a game that he can really bounce on the counter. Um, obviously, my the score prediction therefore could be completely out the window, but. I can see Vardy getting a, getting at least a chance uh, on the break with with Brighton in controlled possession. So I'm going Vardy's my score two one. So the Seagulls. Okay, um, I'm going to go one all. Okay, I'm going to go draw in this one, and it's I completely agree. I said it earlier about Leicester, the injuries that they have. I see a lack of goals in this team, and you know, like we've mentioned, Brighton haven't been playing badly. They just haven't been getting results. They need a result at home. Um, I think it's going to be one all. Um, and I'm going to go with a Leicester goal scorer. I'm going to go Yuri T. Elements um, to score. Um, I feel like it's either him or Vardy. You've already gone Vardy. I'll go T. Elements. Why not? Fair, fair enough. Can't blame that logic. Finally, the Mank Derby, Man City, Manchester United at the weekend. Uh, Will, what are you saying? Um, I can't, you know, 20 wins on the bounce. How can I go against City here in the derby? I obviously know that Derby can throw results up in the air, but for this, I just think the City team is way too strong. The title's calling. I'm going to go 2-1 Man City. Um, and goal scorer wise for the last few weeks, every time it's been Man City, I've gone with Riyad Mahrez you to have. score, and he hasn't. So this week I'm going to go Raheem Sterling. Okay. However... Watch out, because this now means Riyad Mahrez will now score. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go Raheem Sterling. I'm going to go 2-1 City. I just I think they're way too strong for United. Yeah, I think, yes, again, it'll be a top six game. United will try and not lose. Um, they'll Yeah, they'll try and sit back. They'll try and take the draw against the uh, Champions elect. Um, 
I'm going to go one nil Man City. I think United are going to okay. going to make it tough to to break them down. I think I don't think they're going to have enough about them to score themselves. Um, after you said that, I'm really tempted to say Mahrez, but I don't even remember the time that he started in the last few <laughs> weeks, which is why I've just let you say it's, him every week. Just, just yeah, don't go Mahrez because he will score. Yeah, I, it I'm will go- happen. I feel like it's going to be one of those games where City throw everything at it and United just like push it away. So I think it's yeah. going to be something ratty, like a penalty maybe to to split the two. Who's on the penalties though? That's t- that's tough on its own. Is it is point. it De Bruyne or Aguero now? He's, I'm going to go Serge Aguero. I think Aguero could be back on the pens. He, the only reason he hasn't been is because he's been injured for so long, I feel. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Aguero for me. And even if they don't get a pen, you uh, you wouldn't necessarily put your money against Aguero getting a few no, chances. So, yeah, big surge for me in the uh, the Manc derby as we uh, come to the end of predictions. Uh, as we close out... Please make sure to uh, check out the rest of our platforms. YouTube, make sure you share it to anyone you know that would be interested in this sort of thing. Any footballing fans you know, shout it from the rooftops. Family members, friends, any of the like. Enemies, if you don't like us. Who, a view counts as a view, I don't care. Um, the Twitter's not been great recently. I haven't really uh, done great on there. I need to keep updated with that. Get more polls so on the line. I think I'm going to put the two lists out. Uh, of our top yep. five goals Craig Pulse who wins this week out of us yeah. two uh, and follow back on that next week at PTTO pod uh, on Twitter and TikTok's flying we've had over three, uh, 250 likes on three uh, TikToks I've been very so impressed far. Jack I've been very impressed what can with I, you? I, I knew hyping it up was worth something <laughs> um, please follow us on there There's, you're, you're more likely to find some content on there at pick that one out on TikTok. Well then, Breakfast Club. Uh, big expectations on this bacon sarnie. Is it a table topper? Let's find out, Will. What is it? What are we saying? Well, look, I'm going to go with an 8.5 here, Jack. I'm going to tell you for why. Okay. I took, I made it in a bit of advance of the podcast. Oh, no, so the temperature. Yeah, it was oh, no. quite chilled. And then also, the seeded loaf did come back to bite me. I felt myself chomping on seeds as I, as I was hearing you <laughs> hunker down on your predictions. And I thought, you know, I can't. This is just ruining the whole vibe. I think there was. I think there's going to be a moment when people watch back where I take it. I go for a nibble. I end up taking out a whole piece of the bacon. It was just. It was just carnage dealing with it. But as the professional like I am, I didn't bring any didn't make it obvious at all so uh yeah look out for that one during mm. the episode uh, that does happen but yeah, no uh, i would go 8.5 today yeah so panorazon still uh, king of the bunch then on the oh, on the table it was good it was good well uh, uh, what could have been if it was just a bit of plain white bread eh? who knows we'll have to wait and see next week if we can uh, we can beat the french in the in the breakfast yeah, game absolutely. Um, absolutely that's full time on episode 7 then thank you for joining me will Uh, We will see you next week uh, for the Big A episode 8. We'll see you then. Take care. Thank you.